0: chapter 3 of dodo wonders by ef benson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by crowgirl chapter 3 cross currents dodo had been obliged to go to church on sunday morning by way of being in attendance on princess albert she did not in the least mind going to church in fact she habitually did so and sang loudly in the choir But she did not like going otherwise than of her own free will, for she said that compulsion made a necessity of virtue church, and a stroll round the hot-houses where the prince ate four peaches accounted for most of the morning, but after lunch, when he retired to his room like a flushed boa constrictor, and Jack had taken the princess off in a motor to see the place where something happened either to Isaac Walton or Isaac Newton, Dodo felt she could begin to devote herself to some of the old friends, who had originally formed the nucleus of her party. For this purpose, she pounced on the first one she came across, who happened to be Miss Grantham, and took her off to the shady and sequestered end of the terrace. Up to the present moment, she had only been able to tell Grantie that she was changed. Now she proceeded to enlarge on that accusation. Grantie had accepted, you might almost say she had courted, middle age in a very decorous and becoming manner. Her hair, fine as floss silk, had gone perfectly white, "'thus softening her rather hard, handsome, horse-like face, "'and she wore plain, expensive clothes of sober colours "'with pearls and lace and dignity. "'You've changed, Granty, said Dodo, "'because you've gone on doing the same sort of thing for so long. "'Nothing has happened to you.' "'Then I ought to have remained the same,' said Granty with composure. "'She put up a parasol as she spoke, "'as if in anticipation of some sort of outpouring.' "'That's your mistake, darling,' said Dodo. "'If you go on doing the same thing and being the same person, you always deteriorate. "'I read in the paper the other day about a man whose skin became covered with a sort of moss till he looked like a neglected tombstone. "'And going on in a groove has the same effect on the mind. "'If you don't keep stirring it up and giving it shocks at what you do, it vegetates. "'Look at that moss between the paving stones. "'That's there because the gardeners haven't poked them and brushed them.' "'The terrace has changed because it hasn't been sufficiently trodden on and kicked and scrubbed. "'It has been let alone. Do you see? Nothing has happened to you.' "'Miss Grantham certainly preserved the detached calm which had always distinguished her. "'No, it's true that I haven't been kicked and scrubbed,' she said, "'but all my relations have died. That's happened to me.' "'No, that happened to them,' said Dodo. "'You want routing out.' Why do you live in the country, for instance? I often think that doctors are so misunderstanding. If you feel unwell and consult a doctor, he usually tells you to leave London at once and not spend another night there. But for most ailments, it would be far more useful if he told you to leave the country at once. It's far more dangerous to get mossy than to get overdone. You can but break down if you get overdone, but if you get mossy, you break up. Dodo had a mistaken notion that she was putting Granty on her defense, It amused Granty to keep up that delusion for the present. "'I like a life of dignity and leisure,' she said, "'though no doubt there is a great deal in what you say. "'I like reading and thinking. "'I like going to bed at eleven and looking at my pigs. "'I like quiet and tranquillity. "'But that's so deplorable,' said Dodo. "'I suppose it is what you call being mossy, "'but I prefer it. "'I choose to have leisure. "'I choose to go to bed early "'and do nothing particular when I get up. "'Dodo pointed an accusing finger at her. "'I've got it,' she said. "'You are like the poet, "'who said that the world was left to darkness and to him. "'He liked bossing it in the darkness, and so do you. "'You train the village choir, Granty, and it's no use denying it. "'You preside at mother's meetings, "'and you are local president of the Primrose League. "'You have a flower-show in what they call your grounds, "'just as if you were coffee, on August bank holiday and a school feast.' "'You have a Christmas-tree for the children and send masses of holly to decorate the church. "'At Easter, arum lilies.' "'Miss Grantham began to show that she was not an abject criminal on her defence. "'And those are all very excellent things to do,' she said. "'I do not see that they are less useful than playing bridge all night "'or standing quacking on a staircase in a tiara and calling it an evening party.' "'Yes, we do quack,' conceded Dodo.' "'Or spending five hundred pounds on a ball, my dear, that wouldn't do much in the way of a ball,' began Dodo. "'Well, a thousand pounds, then, if you wish to argue about irrelevancies. "'All the Christmas trees and Easter decorations and school feasts don't cost that.' "'Granty, dear, how marvellously cheap!' said Dodo enthusiastically. "'What a good manager you must be, and it all becomes more appalling every minute.' you know that you don't boss it in the darkness because of the good you do and the pleasure you give but because it gives you the impression of being busy and makes so little trouble and expense now if you ran races things in sacks at the school feasts yourself and pricked your own delicious fingers with the holly for the christmas decorations and watered your flowers yourself for the flower show there might be something in it "'but you don't do anything of the kind. "'You only give away very cheap prizes at the school-feast, "'and make your gardeners cut the holly, "'and take the prizes yourself at the flower-show. "'You like bossing it, darling. "'That's what's the matter, and it's that which has changed you. "'You don't compete, except at the flower-show, "'and then it's your gardeners who compete for you. "'You ought to run races at the school-feast "'if you want to be considered a serious person.' "'I couldn't run,' said Miss Grantham. "'If I ran, I should die.' That would make a tragic chord at the school feast, instead of a cheerful note. "'It would do nothing of the sort,' said Dodo. "'The schoolchildren would remember the particular school feast when you died with wonderful excitement and pleasure. "'It would be stored forever in their grateful memories. "'That was the year,' they would say, "'when Miss Grantham fell dead in the sack-race and such a lovely funeral. "'They wouldn't think it the least tragic, bless them.' to miss grantham's detached and philosophic mind this conclusion when she reflected on it seemed extremely sound she decided to pursue that track no further for it appeared to lead nowhere and proceeded violently upwards in a sort of moral lift and then i happen to like culture and knowledge she said i just happen to in the same way as you like princes "'I know you won't agree about the possible advantage of educating yourself. "'Last night at dinner I heard you say that you had probably forgotten how to read "'as you hadn't read anything for so long. "'That made me shudder. "'You seem to think that because I live in the country I vegetate. "'You call me mossy and I am nothing of the kind. "'I read for three hours a day, wet or fine. "'I do wood carving. "'I play the piano.' "'Dodo gave a long sigh. "'I know. "'It sounds lovely,' she said.' so does suicide when you have to get up early in the morning sometimes jack and i think we should like to live in a cottage by a river with a beehive and a general servant and nine rows of beans like mr yates and lead the simple life but moral scruples preserve us from it just as they preserve one from suicide when i feel that i want to live in the country i know it is time to take a tonic or go to ask it I don't believe for a moment that I was meant to be a primrose by the river's brim. If you go in for being a primrose by the river's brim, you so soon become nothing more to him or to anybody else. If nature had intended me to be a vegetable, she would have made me more like a cabbage than I am. Miss Grantham was hardly ever roused by personal criticism, partly because she hardly ever was submitted to it, and partly because it seemed to her to matter so singularly little what anyone else thought of her— But when Dodo began again, "'You're a delicious cow,' she interrupted firmly and decisively, dropped any semblance of defence, and attacked. "'And now it's my turn,' she said, "'and don't interrupt me, Dodo, by any smart repartees, because they don't impress me in the least. I may be a cabbage, though, as a matter of fact, I am not, but I would far sooner be a cabbage than a flea.' "'A flea?' asked the bewildered Dodo. "'Yes, dear,' I said, "'Flea.' all the people who live the sort of life which you have deliberately adopted as your own are precisely like fleas you hop about with dreadful springs and take little bites of other people and call that life if you hear of some marvellous new invention you ask the inventor to lunch and suck a little of his blood then at dinner you are told that everybody is talking about some new book so you buy a copy next morning cut the first fifty pages and leave it about in a prominent place and ask the author to tea meanwhile you forget all about the inventor then a new portrait painter appears or a new conjurer at the music halls or a new dancer and off you hop again and have another bite for some obscure reason you think that that is life whereas it is only being a flea i don't in the least mind your being a flea you may be precisely what you choose but what i do object to is your daring to disapprove of my way of life about which you know nothing whatever "'You called me narrow. Never,' said Dodo. "'In effect, you called me narrow, didn't you?' asked Granty calmly. "'Yes. Very well, then. When you talk about narrowness, "'you seem unaware that there is no greater narrowness possible "'than to adopt that cocksure attitude. "'You think you are competent to judge modes of living "'about which you are quite ignorant. "'What do you know about me?' "'Dodo surged out of her chair.' "'Granty, dear, we don't understand each other one bit,' she said, kissing her. "'How sad it all is.' "'Granty remained unmoved and calm. "'I understand you perfectly,' she said, "'though I am quite aware you don't understand me.' "'Dodo suddenly ceased to attend and held up a silencing finger. "'Listen,' she said. "'From the open window of a bedroom just above their seat "'came a sound sonorous and rhythmical. Dodo had not meant to have the war carried into her own country, and she was rather glad of an interruption. "'Albert,' she said rapturously, "'Albert's snoring.' Any text would have done for Grantie's sermon that moment. "'Yes, I hear,' she said. "'We can all snore, but that particular snoring amuses you in some odd way, because he's a prince. I don't love you any the less, because you are a snob and a flea.' Dodo burst into a peal of laughter. "'Granty, you're perfect,' she said. "'Oh, how little did I think when I began calling you a vegetable quite conversationally "'that you would turn round and hustle me like this. "'And the worst of it is that you are right. "'You see, you arrange your ideas. "'You think what you mean to say and then say it, "'whereas I say anything that comes into my head "'and try to attach some idea to it afterwards, if it's challenged. "'Usually it isn't, and we talk about something else, "'and everyone thinks, what clever conversation.' "'But really you wrong me. I am something more than a snobbish flea.' "'Yes, you're a parody,' said Miss Grantham thoughtfully. "'That is the deplorable thing about you. "'You have always made a farce out of your good qualities "'and a tragedy out of your bad ones. What a waste! "'You need never have been either a farce or a tragedy, "'but just a decent, simple, commonplace woman like me.' "'Dodo knew perfectly well what Grantie meant by this considered indictment.' It needed but the space of an astonished gasp, as this cold hose was sluiced on her, to understand it entirely and recognize the basic truth of it. She knew to what Granty alluded as her good points, namely her energy, her quickness, her vivacity, her kindliness. Of these, so said Granty, she made a farce, used them to cause laughter, to rouse admiration, to make a rocket of herself. And there was no more difficulty in identifying the bad points out of which tragedies had come. They were just the defects of her qualities, and could easily be grouped together under the general head of egotism. Quite suddenly, then, there came a deepening in the import of the conversation which had begun so superficially. At first Dodo had used the lightness of touch in discussing Granty's mode of life, which, to her mind, befitted such subjects. But now she found herself gripped, something had caught her from below— for some reason, perhaps from having lived so long in the country, Grantie took matters like taste and conduct and character quite seriously. Dodo did not mind that in the least. It was still she who was being talked about, and thus her egotism was fed. Even if it was being fed with thorns and briars of the wilderness, it was still being attended to. "'Go on,' she said. "'Explain.' "'It's hardly worth while, said Grantie, "'because you know it already.' "'But just think of your telling me with disapproval that I have changed. "'So much the better for me, though you think it is a matter for regret.' "'Darling, I never said you weren't quite delightful as you are,' said Dodo. "'I wasn't aware that there was any such complimentary nuance in your criticism,' said Granty. "'Anyhow, there is none in mine. "'I find that you have not changed in the least. "'You are, in essentials, precisely the same as you always were, and I could weep over you.' I talked to Edith last night when you were taking off the princess's shoes or something, and she quite agreed with me. She said that you were amazing in the way that you had retained your youth. But she thought that was lovely, and there I disagreed. I find it tragic. It's an awful thing, Dodo, to be youthful at your age, which is the same as mine. If you were worth anything, if you had ever got out of yourself, your life would have changed you. You say that there is a man covered with moss, while there is a tortoise covered with its bony shell. You remain the same marvellous egotist that you were when you dazzled us all thirty years ago, and it is just because I have changed that I see through you now. You have thought about yourself for fifty-four long years. Aren't you tired of the subject yet?' Dodo felt a keen sense of injustice in this. "'But you don't understand me,' she said. "'After all, I don't know how you could. You haven't got a husband and a son for whom you would do anything. Oh, and a daughter,' she added hastily." "'How you enjoyed saying that!' observed Miss Grantham. Dodo paid no attention to this very just remark, and went on as if nothing had been said. "'Dear Grantie, you only understand things on your own plane. "'You don't know what marriage and children mean, but I do. "'I've been married over and over again. "'Because you pat other people's children on the head and give tea and shawls to their parents, "'you think you know something about devotion.' "'Miss Grantham looked at her watch. "'If Jack—' or you, had to die in a quarter of an hour's time, that is to say, at five minutes to four, in horrible agony, which would you choose?' she asked. "'But that's impossible,' said Dodo, in some agitation. "'You are putting ridiculous cases.' "'They are ridiculous cases, because you know what your choice would be and don't want to confess it,' said Grantie. "'I don't press for an answer, but it was your own fault that I asked the question, since you talked nonsense about devotion which I can't understand. I merely inquired into its nature.' "'That's all. It is finished.' "'Granty, I hate you,' said Dodo. "'Why don't you make the best of other people, as I always do?' "'Simply because they insist on making the worst of themselves, "'and it would be rude to disagree with them,' said Granty. "'You are a sour old maid,' said Dodo, with some heat. "'Miss Grantham spoke to the terrace generally in a detached manner. "'Why don't you make the best of people, as I always do?' she quoted. "'Dodo laughed.' oh yes you scored she said but to be serious a moment instead of pea-shooting each other i allow you have hit me on the nose several times with devilish accuracy in hard wet peas what fun it used to be to be serious a moment said Granty. that's another pea don't do it to be serious as i said before do you really suppose that you can alter your character It always seems to me the one unchangeable thing. A thoroughly selfish woman can make herself behave unselfishly, just as a greedy person can starve himself, but they remain just as selfish and greedy as before. Oh, Grantie, I've got a dreadful nature, and the only thing to be done is to blow soap bubbles all over it so that it appears to be iridescent. You don't really believe that about yourself, said Grantie. Dodo groaned. I know I don't, she said. I know nothing about myself. "'When David thinks I am adorable, I quite agree with him, "'and when you tell me that I am a worm, "'I look wildly round for the thrush that is going to eat me. "'There's one on the lawn now. It may be that one. "'Shoo! You nasty bird!' she cried. "'The thrush scudded off into the bushes "'at the sound of Dodo's shrill voice and clapped hands. "'So it isn't that one. "'What a relief!' said Dodo. "'But what's to be done?' "'Knit!' said Miss Grantham firmly. "'So, get out of yourself. Play the piano.' "'But I should only think how beautifully I was playing it,' said Dodo. "'All you say is true, Grantie. "'That's the beastly thing about you, but it's all no use. "'Listen to that fortunate chairman snoring. "'He isn't thinking about himself. "'He's not thinking about anything at all. "'I wish I was eighty. "'It's better to be in a bath-chair than in a cage. "'We are all in cages, at least I am, and you are a raven in a cage. "'You croak and you peck me if I come near you. "'Iron bars do make a cage, whatever Lovelace thought about it, "'if the iron bars are your own temperament.' "'I can't get out, and isn't it awful?' "'Dodo gave a great sigh and lit a cigarette. "'I shall forget all about it in two minutes,' she said, "'and that's the really hopeless thing about me. "'I feel deeply for a few seconds, "'and then I feel equally deeply about something perfectly different. "'Just now I long for something to happen "'which will break the bars or open my cage, "'and yet it is such a comfortable one. "'That's the matter with all of us, "'me with my egotism and you with your school feasts. "'We're all far too cosy and prosperous.' see-saw marjorie doll we're all swinging in an apple-tree the rope has got to break and we must all go bump if we hope for salvation it must be something big something dreadful if jack lost all his property and went utterly bankrupt that wouldn't help me i should get an old wheezy barrel-organ and parade the streets and squares in london singing in a cracked voice and have a lovely time or i should get a situation at a tea-shop or i should chaperone climbers and it would all amuse me and i shouldn't change one atom "'Really, I don't think anything would do me any good except the day of judgment.' "'Thank God. Here's Hughie. I'm getting rather insane. Hughie, what have you been doing, and if so, are you happy, "'and if so, how dare you be happy? Why are you happy?' Hughie considered these questions and ticked the answers off on his fingers. "'I've been doing nothing,' he said, "'and I dare to be happy. I don't know why. "'But again, why shouldn't I be? "'But why should you? What have you done to deserve it?' Catechise him, grantie, because it's Sunday afternoon, and make him confess that he's got a horrid nature not to be miserable. "'Go ahead,' said Hugh, but it's no use trying to make me confess that I've got a horrid nature. I haven't. I've got rather a nice one.' "'Then you are wrapped up in self-esteem,' said Dodo, and I'm better than you. Hugh, seated on the terrace, looked up at Dodo with the mild, quiet surprise that he exhibited when his aeroplane engine misfired. "'Of course you are,' he said. "'So why not play croquet?' "'then I shall be better than you. "'But I want to know what makes you happy. "'Granty's been stirring me up and making me feel muddy. "'I've been telling her all the good reasons why I lead the life that suits me.' "'Granty gave a loud croak of dissent, like the raven to which Dodo had compared her. "'That bears not the most distant relation to truth,' she said. "'What you have been doing is to give all sorts of bad reasons why I shouldn't lead the life that suits me.' "'Dodo paid no attention to this.' "'and she's been making me say that the Day of Judgment "'is the only thing that will do me any good. "'She has been ferreting me out, like a rabbit, and "'making me confused. "'It isn't the real me that she has bolted. "'When you ferret rabbits, you get rabbits "'that are fussed and frightened and in a hurry. "'They aren't normal rabbits. "'Granty, you are a mixture between a raven and a ferret "'and a gadfly, a marvellous hybrid, "'as yet unknown to books on natural history. "'You have pink eyes and a horny beak and a sting. "'I want Jack.' where is jack oh he's still out with that dear old german governess and listen oh it has stopped dodo looked up at the window from which the noises of repose had come and at the moment a large suffused face looked down also your garden party awoke me said its injured owner i was dreaming a pleasant dream and then in my dream there came noise i was in the restaurant at the ritz and it was dinner and then people at the next table began talking and laughing, and I could no more attend to my dinner, and then I awoke, and it was all true, except the Ritz and the dinner, for there were people talking and laughing, and so I awoke. And so it was a dream, and yet it was not a dream. Where is the princess? She is not home yet? I will play croquet, and I will win, and I will have my tea. Yes, do come down, sir, said Dodo. It was me talking. Also, "'In English you should say I, not me,' said this profound scholar. "'No, sir, you shouldn't,' said Dodo. "'You say I when you're learning English, because that is correct, "'and when you've learned it, you say me.' "'So?' "'Then me will come and play croquet. "'Ha! You see, I have learned English so quickly. First, will me put on my white pantaloons, "'and then I will play croquet. Auf Wiedersehen!' "'Dodo looked across at Granty. "'You shall play with him,' she said, in an encouraging whisper. "'Devotion to others, darling. "'Duty, change, expansion of soul and development of character. "'All that we've been talking about, which I haven't got.' "'Dodo strolled away with her son-in-law, "'when she had seen Granty firmly embarked on a game with the prince, "'who played with even more deliberation than his opponents found so wearing "'when he played bridge, and with a thoroughly East Prussian thoroughness.' he very soon made up his mind that he was a player of more resource than grantee and so arranged to have a stake of five marks on the game this made it a peculiarly serious business and one that entailed a great deal of stooping down behind the ball he was playing with and accurately aligning his mallet in the direction of the object having done this he got up with creaks from his stiff white pantaloons and clinging to the handle of his mallet as to a life-buoy while keeping it unmoved bent down again to pick up his spectacles which had always fallen off he answered in fact perfectly to edith's definition of the german spirit as the unhurrying and relentless entity which spared no trouble in securing a certain advance towards its appointed end As exemplified by Prince Albert, the efficiency of this industrious labor had to be supplemented by a ruthless system of cheating. The moment he thought that Miss Grantham's eye was occupied in other directions, he rolled his ball by a stealthy movement of his foot into a more advantageous position for his next stroke, and made any little surreptitious adjustment that might tend to confound his adversary. Unfortunately, it was a very short time before Miss Grantham awoke to these manoeuvres, and proceeded to take counter-offensive measures of a more than neutralizing character. For instance, the moment he had aligned his mallet, and bent down for the second time to pick up his spectacles, she shifted the position of the ball at which he had taken his aim, and, if possible, put the wire of a hoop between him and it, or, if that was not feasible, merely kicked it a foot or two away for she had observed that on rising again for the second time he paid no more attention to where the object ball was but devoted his mind to hitting in the direction in which he had laid his mallet he hit his own ball extremely true Granty, so far from having any compunction about this felt that she was merely doing her proper part if these were the german rules it was incumbent on her to observe them at other times if she hoped to make a hoop herself "'She merely trundled her ball into an easier position. "'Slowly and calmly, like the light of morning, "'the fact of these manoeuvres made to match his own "'dawned on him, and he unblushingly proposed "'an abandonment of these tactics. "'Also, as it is,' he said, First I cheat, and then you cheat. "'I do not gain if we do so, so where is the use? "'Always there is a wire when I hit at your ball, "'and then I go bump and I do not gain.' "'So no longer will I move my ball, and no longer shall you. "'Shall that be a bargain, an agreement? "'There is no gain if we both do so. "'I did not know that in England you played so.' "'Dodo had returned by this time, with David holding on to her hand, "'and heard the ratification of this infamous bargain. "'Oh, grantie, how I despise you,' she said, "'and how comfortable that makes me feel. "'You have lowered yourself, darling. "'You have come down from your pedestal.' The game had got to an exciting stage, and a loud, hoarse voice interrupted. "'Also my ball skipped,' cried the prince. "'It ran and rolled, and then it did skip over the other ball. "'It is no game on such a carpet. "'It is madness to have marks on the game when my ball skips like that. "'It ran and it rolled and then it skipped. "'I will play for nothing if my ball skips. "'If again my ball skips, I will pay no marks.' Edith had joined Dodo on the edge of the lawn." "'That's Berlin all over,' she observed. "'David lifted up a shrill treble. "'Mummy, I don't understand this game,' he said very distinctly. "'May I cheat when I play croquet? First he cheated, and then she cheated. "'I watched them from the nursery. "'And what are marks?' "'Dodo devoted her entire attention to David. "'They are slipper marks,' she said brilliantly. "'You shall get them if ever I catch you cheating at croquet.' "'But has he got,' began David, "'Quantities! Shut up, darling!' This international event was protracted till dressing-time was imminent, and during the last half-hour of it the Prince was the prey of the most atrocious anxieties. If the game was abandoned, no decision would be reached, and he would not get his five marks, of which he, in the present state of affairs, felt that he was morally possessed. On the other hand, if they fought it out to the bitter stump, dinner must either be put off, which in itself made a tragedy of this pleasant day or he would be late for dinner which was almost as terrible by way of saving time he debated these contingencies very slowly to his wife if i stop i do not win he said and if i do not stop i may yet be beaten and also it will be after dinner-time i am puzzled i do not know what i shall do i do not win if i stop dearest you must stop talking said she briskly and go to hit your ball "'Dodo will put off dinner till half-past eight, "'but we cannot all starve because of your five marks.' "'But it is not five marks alone,' said he. "'It is also glory. Ha! I have thought, "'and I will tell you what I shall do. "'I shall play till half-past eight, "'and then, if it is not finished, "'I will come to dinner in my white pantaloons, "'and I will not clean myself. So!' "'But you cannot dine in your white pantaloons,' said she. "'It would be too screaming.' but I will dine in my white pantaloons whether they scream or whether they do not scream. Often have I at Allenstein dined in my white pantaloons, and if I do not clean myself, I am still clean. So do not talk any more, Sophie, for I shall do as I please, and I shall please to dine in my white pantaloons if the game is not over. See, I strike. Ach, I did not stoop, I did not look, but I will not be hurried, but look. I have hit another ball. That is good. My ball did not skip that time, and I will have five marks. Now you shall see what I do." The game came to an end while there was yet time for him to change his white pantaloons, even though there was considerable delay in convincing him that a half-crown, a florin, and a sixpence were a true and just equivalent for five marks of the fatherland victory and the discovery that there was bisque soup for dinner put him into an amazingly good humour which blossomed into a really vivacious hilarity of a certain sort incidentally some racial characteristics emerged also i am very happy to-night lady dodo he said not ever have i felt so much hungry and it is happy to be hungry when soon i shall not any longer be hungry i will take again of the beef and I will take also again of the long vegetable with the butter. It is good to be at dinner, and it is good to be in England. All Germans like to be in England, for there is much to eat and there is much to study. I also study. I look and I observe, and again I look and I study. We are great students, and all good Germans are students when they come to England." quite suddenly, so it seemed to Dodo, Princess Albert, seated next Jack on the middle of the other side of the table, caught something of what he was saying. In any case, she broke off in the middle of a sentence and leaned across to him. "'Dearest, you are keeping everybody waiting,' she said. "'Do not talk so much, but attend to your good dinner.' He nudged Dodo with his fat elbow. "'You see, I am a henpeck,' he said. "'That is a good term. I am a henpeck. Good.' "'so I will myself peck the long sprouts with the butter.' "'He devoted himself to doing so for the next few minutes "'and regretfully sucked his buttery fingers. "'I talked of study,' he said, "'and it is croquet I study, and I have five marks. "'Germany is poor compared to rich England, "'and in Allenstein I play only for three marks when I play croquet. "'But we Germans have industry, we have perseverance.' also nothing distracts us but we go on while others stop still i am very content to be a poor german in rich england no i will have no ice if i am warm inside me why should i make gold inside me but soon i will have some port and i am happy to be here i could sing so happy am i once again the princess must have been listening to him indeed dearest you shall not sing she said "'He looked at her with a grave, replete eye. "'But if I choose, I shall sing,' he said, "'and if I do not choose, then I shall not sing. "'Dodo felt that there was something moving below this ridiculous talk, "'which she could not quite grasp. "'Some sort of shifting shadow was there like a fish below water. "'Don't be a henpeck, sir,' she said. "'Sing quietly to me.' "'He leaned a little sideways to her, beating the table softly with his hand.' "'Edith, who was sitting on his other side, caught the rhythm of his beat. "'That's Deutschland über alles,' she said cheerfully. "'He gave her a complicated wink. "'Also, you are wrong,' he said. "'It Rule Ruhl-Britannia.' "'He leaned forward across the table. "'Sophie,' he said, "'this is a good joke. "'You will like this joke. "'For I thumped with my hand on the table, and this lady here said, "'Also, that is Deutschland über alles.' "'And I said to her, "'You are wrong.' I said. Also, it is "Rule Britannia." That is a good joke, and you shall tell that to Willie when you write to him. So we are all pleased. Ach, the ladies are going. I will rise and then I will sit down again. Edith went straight to the piano in the next room and, without explanation, thumped out "Rule Britannia." She followed it up with a Marseillaise. End of chapter three. Recording by Crowgirl redcrowblog.wordpress.com.